Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from Northeast Pennsylvania, it's the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast with Nick Hart, the best place to break the ice with your favorite players. Today's guest, Penguins defenseman Josh Maniscalco, Pokemon master Ash Ketchum, plus all new Pens picks, semantics, and a question from the previous episode's guest. So let's get to it. Without further ado, get on your feet and welcome to disgraced Wikipedia admin, Nick Hart! Hello! All right! Hello! Yeah! Okay, thank you, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to the latest episode of the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast. I am your host, Nick Hart. Thank you so much for joining us here for a, what's going to be an awesome episode that we have planned for you guys today. We're really psyched about this one because Penguins defenseman Josh Maniscalco will be here. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Also, I know a lot of people were interested in this, and we had to get him on the show. Pokemon master Ash Ketchum is coming on the show. Oh, I know I'm pumped about this one, and what a story, Ash Ketchum, after all these years, after all those defeats, finally became Pokemon Master earlier this year, I should say later in 2022. Uh, Quite a rise, quite a rise to fame, quite a story of of perseverance, and somehow Ash has managed to be 14 years old for all these years as well, so I'd love to get his explanation for that, Um, but you're not worried about any of that right now. You're worried about starting this episode, and I have interesting news for you podcast listeners. This is our first roadcast of the season, first roadcast we've done in a while. We are posted up in the junior ballroom of our hotel here in Utica, New York, and joining me, sitting across from me here in the ballroom, our great makeshift studio, is Penguins defenseman Josh Maniscalco. Manny, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of this road trip. I don't know if you had to delay some dinner plans or what, but I appreciate you coming into the ballroom with me here. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, it'll be fun. Um, yeah, I got dinner plans with a teammate from last year, uh, Nick Hutchinson. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, so former nailer, former Penguin. Yep, yep. So a couple of us are going to dinner with him. Should be good. Um, it'll be good to, you know, catch up with him. So catch up with Hutch. It's it's funny. So we're in Utica for the restart of the Utica Comets home opener. The game stopped. Power outage. Poof, nothing. Couldn't see your hand two inches in front of your face. Completely pitch black. There was two forty three. Oh my goodness. I'm not even joking. The lights just went out on us in the ballroom as I'm talking about the power outage in Utica. Pause. Hold, please. Technical difficulties. Please stand by. Oh, that's what happens when you uh, podcast in unfamiliar territory, exactly. new new domains. But we have the lights back on here. Yeah, power went out in Utica, Adirondack Bank Center, with 2:43 left in the second period. Penguins are going to the power play, and that's exactly how we're gonna start this game uh, as of recording Tuesday night. Penguins to the power play, down 2-1 to one to the Utica Comets. Nick Hutchison scored back in the first period of that game, so it's kind of funny how it comes full yeah. circle, and uh, you're going to be catching up with Hutch here uh, with dinner plans tonight. Uh, but you were not with the team whenever the power outage happened, so I'll ask you as a guy who was uh, with Wheeling at the time, A, how did you hear about the power outage? How quickly did the news spread to you guys with the Nailers? And B, how weird is it to kind of come up on a bus with the team for a road trip where you're going to play not even half a game the next day? Yeah, that is – it's definitely – I mean, I'm sure it'll be the only time. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I obviously after each team plays, I'm always checking the scores of yeah. and see, you know, how guys did and stuff like that. Um, so I, I remember checking, and it was probably like 10 at night. So the game should have been done, but it just said postponed on the AHL yeah. uh, app or whatnot. And you're probably thinking, what in the world is postponed? What's yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. So I, I think I actually did reach out to uh, Hutch, and he just you know explained what happened. It's pretty crazy. I mean, like you said, that I can't even imagine what that would be like being on the ice, and then all of a sudden it's pitch black, and you don't know if it's going to come back on or if it's just that. That's it. And obviously the game was postponed till tomorrow now. So. That that is that is 
quite quite crazy. Yeah, and what was so nutty about it, we've talked to this about several of the players that were in the game, scratched that game, you know, that maybe were back in Wilkes-Barre listening to the game on the mm-hmm. radio and then the feed cut out. Everyone kind of had like, I was on the bench, I was on the ice, Corey Andonovsky, I was sitting in the penalty box. There was a giant <laughs> scrum right before that, right in front of the Penguins' net. If that power had cut off, that blackout had happened 30, 40 seconds sooner, you could have had complete pandemonium. Yeah. And guys start to panic or something like that, especially with skates, sticks all over the place in such tight quarters. It's kind of lucky that it happened during a break in play, considering. But then everyone else was just like, oh, the power's out. That's funny. I'm sure it'll come on. I'm sure they're going to turn it on. And then the power just never came on. And they told everyone, get out of here. Game's Well, game's not over, but it's over for now. Yeah, get out of here. Just the strangest thing. That's crazy. I couldn't even imagine, like – trying to exit a building full of people at pitch black and that's just a whole I give I give every single fan in that building a ton of credit because everyone was so well behaved because that's a potentially combustible situation you not only have uh crazy people who have been probably pounding beers all night remember this was the home opener this was the start of a new season for the yeah. Utica Comets but also all it takes is one person to freak out and then that kind of spreads like a domino effect. Someone just starts scrambling down the stairs and running like, nope, everyone just sat in their seat, waited patiently. And then whenever they said, get out of here, everyone was super helpful to people that were maybe going slower down the aisles or like elderly fans or something like, nope, everyone just filed out so calm. And we had to pack up all the bags, throw all the equipment onto the truck in complete darkness. It was a wild scene. But yeah. now we're back. Yeah, we're back and. Hopefully the uh, power stays on tomorrow. That's that's the biggest thing that and it's like a nightmare that I a recurring nightmare <laughs> that I have that just like please let's just get to the end of this game. No more funny business. No more weird stuff. Let's just play these what twenty two minutes and forty three seconds of hockey and move on to Rochester. But enough about what you weren't here for. Josh Maniscalco joining us here on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton and Penguins podcast. I want to ask you about how the season's going. I know it's an easy question out of the gate, but this is your third season as a pro. It's been strange circumstances the entire way, especially because you came out of college during the pandemic shortened 2020-21 year. But how has 22-23 treated you? Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, I feel like this is my first year where, um, you know, I understand the process and how what to expect and this and that and the other thing. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's been good. I mean, obviously like to be here full time playing, you know, every game, but you know, it is what it is and you know, it's been fun. Um, we got a good team in Wheeling and we've had a lot of success in the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, now I'm here in, in Wilkes and been playing a lot, feeling a lot better on the ice and, uh, it's been fun. Uh, hopefully I can, you know, produce offensively here and, um, get on the stat sheet for the first time in my career. That would be, um, definitely a milestone and a uh, night to remember. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. We thought you had an assist the other night in Northeast Pennsylvania, and then they ended up scrapping it and changing it to one of your teammates after the fact. Did you know that that was going to get changed, or is that something where you saw the box score after the game and kind of went, oh, uh, I have to I, wait a little bit longer? I did not know, um, but it is what it is. You know, uh, yeah. To be honest, I'm just happy to be out there for you know a plus, and uh, is just a, a good shift, and you know just to be out there is fun. So Yeah. And the puck went in. Always good to be on the ice for uh, the positive results versus the negative results. Um, You mentioned, hey, after your games in Wheeling, I'll check the box scores. I'll hop on the AHL app to see how everybody does. Um, Up here, we do the same thing. Fans know on on broadcast, we're always checking the out-of-town scoreboard in between periods, post-game. Hey, what did Wheeling do tonight? Who performed well? But I always like to check in with my main man, DJ Abasala too. We get him on the intermission reports every so often. I love talking to DJ. There is, there are few people that are as enthusiastic about their job and as enthusiastic about wheeling nailers hockey as DJ Abasala. I assume you got to know DJ quite well over this what past two seasons. Oh yeah, I was actually texting him on the bus ride up here. <laughs> um, but there, he is definitely number one in wheeling nailers passion for the team and it is it's awesome it's uh it's contagious that's for sure yeah dj's the play-by-play broadcaster communication specialist pr aficionado like 
the go-to guy for probably half the things that are going on in the front office for the Wheeling Nailers. You got any good DJ stories for us? Because he's such an eccentric dude in addition to all the passion that he brings. I'm sure something's got to pop out. I don't. I can't really think of one good story off the top of my head. He's just... He's, I'm just putting you on the spot here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but, th- I mean, if you wanted to go back on the Wheeling Nailers Twitter, there's a when last season in the playoffs when Matt Corsia scored the overtime winner game Against Fort seven Wayne. versus Fort Wayne, there is a absolutely fantastic goal call that um me as well as a couple of the uh penguins here um enjoy listening to. We've gone back and thrown it on a couple of times. You've revisited the yep. the Corsia yes, game seven goal. Yes we have. Uh but it's it's awesome. He's just you know, he like you said, he brings so much passion and you can hear it every Every play that's made in, in his commentating, it's it's awesome. Um, my my family that listen to the games, they love it. They always have something good to say about him. So. That's good. I'm, I'm glad the Maniscalco family is enjoying the calls of DJ Abasala. I hope they uh, they enjoy it whenever you're up here in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, too. But because you're a, you're a PA native, mm-hmm. I know your family comes to a lot of games at Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza, so they're probably not listening on the radio. They're probably seeing it live and in person. Uh, how far of a drive is it from whatever hometown is uh, to Wilkes? Um, it's it's about an hour fifteen. That's not uh, bad at all. Yeah, if, like if you're, it's the Quaker Town exit off the Turnpike. We live like ten minutes off of there, so it's not bad at all. Just up the Turnpike, quick and easy. So, how many family members do you usually get at games whenever you're playing with uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton? Um, well, my girlfriend's in town, so she always comes, and then that's a lock. That's one, and then usually between two to four more. Uh, my parents try to make it up as much as much as they can, and then my grandparents when they can as well. So um, definitely one is a lock, and then two to four more range. Yeah, your range can yeah. shift around a little exactly. bit. Um, there was a game earlier this month in January where I know the grandparents made it out, and just circumstance the way that the chips fell, Josh Maniscalco game-worn jersey was the jersey raffle that night. And I know your your grandmother became the, I don't know what you want to call it, an overnight celebrity with the people working the 50-50 drawing and the jersey raffle because she wanted that Josh Maniscalco jersey so bad. And at the end of the night, I don't think it was her, but someone in your family won the jersey and there were other fans that were like, oh, that's it's rigged. It's got to be rigged. And I was like, you guys don't understand the the funds that went into increasing their odds, the Maniscalco family's odds of going home with that jersey. Uh, so so clearly, there's a great support system there for you, eh? Yeah, definitely. There's a uh, there's a pretty thick stack of uh, past jerseys in in a closet. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, they 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 definitely love the jerseys, and I think my my dad ended up going home with the jersey. My okay. mom my mom's got it now. But uh, yeah, they there's definitely a passion there for for getting jerseys. Now, this is something that I've learned over the years to ask because I find it interesting, the the generations of hockey people and sometimes people who didn't necessarily have a background in the game before that. Were your parents, were your family, were they hockey people? Were you the first guy to put a stick in your hand and say, this is for me? Uh, So neither of my parents played hockey. Um, The way I started was um, I'm the youngest um, in my immediate family and then like the whole family cousins and everything. So my my uncle and aunt, my cousins, they have three boys. So I have three boy cousins who are all older and they started playing. They're probably, so my brother's, oh geez, math. My brother's a 95, (laughs) so he's four years older than me. Okay. Um, and they're like five years older than him. So they, he, they were playing, so he went and played and then I was obviously just at the rink. So my mom didn't want to watch me. So she threw me on the ice and there um, you go. Instead, you know, instead of having to worry about, you know, attention over here, attention over there, kids running around this place, kids running around that place. No, stick them all on the ice. Exactly. Now they're all in one place. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's how it started. My parents were both athletes in, in, uh, high school and stuff like that, but, uh, okay. no, what did no they play? hockey. Uh, my dad played football and baseball and my mom played lacrosse. Oh, okay. Yep. So that's where the hands come from then. Maybe uh, the, something the, like that. The, the brute force comes from dad on the, on the gridiron and mom's got the, the quick wrists. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, yep, no hockey. Um, I played a couple uh, parent-kid games when I was younger against my parents that were always <laughs> a bit comical. But uh, <laughs> Comical in what way? Uh, just, you know, they they grow a little bit of respect for what we do what, on the ice. Yep. Absolutely that. And just I remember there was one time I th- my dad was 
skating wide on me and I thought I'd hit him and dad strength kicked in and I ended up on my rear end. So, uh, it's just always fun and a lot of good memories. <laughs> a lot of good memories at those, uh, those parent, uh, children games. Yeah. Uh, Perkymanville PA, your hometown. I know you also played a little bit of youth hockey growing up for the Hershey junior bears. And naturally, I think half of your first like 10 games in the American League were against Hershey, yeah. just the way that the schedule works out. How funny is that, too? Because then that makes it an e easy drive for a family to come to road games, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Lehigh's a close game and, and Hershey's a close game. But yeah, growing up, I always played. Well, two. my brother played for them. Um, there's like a kind of, I guess you could call tournament team for the Pee Wee Quebec tournament. Yes. it's a, it, For those that don't know, this is a gigantic youth hockey tournament that where teams from Pennsylvania, teams from Michigan, teams from California will all converge in Quebec and there's like like 12 different brackets for different age groups yeah. and skill levels. It's just so many teams show up and you were uh you were going to those tournaments. Yeah, yeah, so that was the tournament that we would be going to fun fact actually i played against hoodie uh you played against them sam Poulin, yeah um it's a huge thing for all like the french guys yeah. like they it's staple of their youth hockey um but anyways yeah so like i would play for the hershey bears and the uh the old general manager for the hershey bears is actually our coach doug um, yanks doug yanks yeah really uh-huh so um yeah it's just cool um you know he's a very big in like the hockey world around there and yeah. has grown the game a lot. I I know there's a lot of guys from like the Hershey area that grow up and, and go on to have pretty good hockey careers. So it's, it's cool. Uh, there's definitely some good memories playing there, but you know, now they're the enemy. So yeah, I was going to say now you're making uh, more memories wearing the right colors yeah, exactly. this time, right? Yeah, exactly. But I, I just remember, you know, we would always, we would always play before the Hershey bears and then we'd stay for the games. And I always remember watching them play the, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Penguins, because and now I realize that you know every season there's what twelve, fourteen games played. Twelve, the two. twelve games regular season. If you want to include preseason, add two more, and then when the inevitable playoff, playoff matchup oh. arrives, add however many games that series goes to. So you end up playing the Penguins and Bears end up playing each other. Probably at minimum, you're looking at seventeen, eighteen yeah, times a wow, year. That's crazy. So. That's uh, yeah, but that's my my Hershey Bears background. That's that's the Hershey Junior Bears yeah, background. Hershey Junior Bears yeah. background. Now now full blooded black and gold here with the yes. Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Josh Maniscalco with us on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. We'll get to Ash Ketchum in a little bit here, but I want to wind back the clock to uh, college hockey. I mean, you've actually turned out to be a pretty well traveled guy from PA to you played at Shattuck, the highly prestigious uh, hockey prep school in Minnesota. Um, U.S. National Team Development Program, Dubuque in the USHL. And then that journey takes you to Arizona. Arizona State University, a program that had turned D1 how many years before you got there? I think my two, my like year, my freshman year was the first or the third fully Division One year. Yeah, so, so they had just turned D1 two years before you got there. You're there for the, the third season, and... A lot of people were interested in the success of this program, one, because that's a gigantic school in terms of um, what they do in other Division One sports, basketball, football, the actual student base, um, where it's located in a major market, right in uh, Tempe, which if, if you know anything about Arizona geography, you have Phoenix, Tempe, Scottsdale, Glendale, they're all right, right next there, to each other. Yeah. They're all basically the same place. It's a massive uh, market. And then can college hockey work in the desert? And then in your time there, Arizona State's not just competing. They're not just hanging with the big dogs. You guys are challenging for national tournament spots as an independent school, not in any sort of conference, can't win a conference tournament. You guys are right in the thick of things in the national tournament discussion. What a whirlwind I imagine that had to be as a player. What can you tell us about your time at, at Arizona State and how everything just kind of came together for you guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I, I actually was committed to the University of Minnesota, ended up not going there, and obviously ended up going to Arizona State. Um, but when I was there, I mean, I, I loved it. I think the early on the coach did a very good job of getting a 
good old class and then kind of combining it with my class who yeah. was a little bit more young and and um skilled but we just found a way to win our goaltender was fantastic which in college hockey i feel like is the most important thing yeah um, it's the great equalizer yeah definitely but uh yeah we just won a lot of games in overtime which helped and uh we snuck our way into the in the into the tournament and um there's definitely a, a huge huge part to grow in hockey in arizona and to be a part of that was pretty cool yeah could you feel that happening like hey you you win one game you're just excited for yourself and the boys you win a couple games in a row yeah we're we're picking up steam when you're winning that many times, and like I said, you are in the discussion for the national tournament, making the national tournament third, fourth year as a program, can you feel that groundswell of like, hey, we're really building something here? Can you feel that? Or when you're in it, do you just kind of have blinders on? Um, yeah, I think I think the first weekend of the year we played Ohio State, who was ranked like one or two at the time. Yeah. And I think we got we got swept by them, but we played them like we. I think we lost two to one both games, and we. I remember looking around and like before that weekend, there's a couple guys who were like, I don't like. I'm kind of nervous for this weekend. Like we might get rolled over. Like this team's the best team in the country. How's this gonna go? Yeah, exactly. So and then you know we played them close, and then that whole mindset kind of changed, and the rest of the year we kind of just went and played and did our thing and we ended up sweeping a lot of really good teams and um you know the at the end of the year we were in the tournament and it was it was just awesome but yeah um it's weird as a freshman too like you're kind of just falling falling the lead and we had a lot of good good guys that kind of took the reins in that and we just jumped aboard and you know the rest kind of took took care of itself but it was you know memories that'll last forever i absolutely missed the desert it's it's crazy living in cold places your whole hockey career yeah. you think hockey and cold and then you go there and it's like huh like i guess yeah hockey can be played in in the sun as well um and you know now they have that new rink that's Mullet pretty Arena. pretty awesome um i was talking to a ticker actually because they were down there when he was up oh with yeah the when Penguins. Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah and i just asked like how how was the rink and he's like well for like an nhl barn it's a little bit you know different um he said i think they had to like walk it's a very diplomatic way yeah. of putting it yeah like he said they had to like i guess where they have the visiting team is like its own separate part and then they have like rubber mats you got to walk, walk outside out. quick um but in terms of a college arena i mean it's fantastic um in my opinion for a, a nice college barn you don't really need it to have fifteen thousand seats you just need to have a nice small little compact loud and a good crowd and that you know that's all all you need you got to make it so that everyone's on top of the action you got to make it with an atmosphere in mind yeah exactly not about like you said jamming 15,000 yeah. 20,000 30,000 people you don't need that you need an atmosphere yeah, exactly. if 3,000 people can create that atmosphere you're going to have an intimidating college exactly. barn if 8,000 people can do it great yeah. good for you but yeah. it's it's been Really interesting watching the reviews coming out of, of Mullet Arena because mm-hmm. you see a lot of it from NHL media visiting teams that come in and they're like, hey, an NHL team should not be playing in this arena. However, this is a lot of fun. This yeah. is electrifying. Everyone in the building's into it. So it's kind of funny how you kind of have that, well, this is kind of a mess, but it, this is kind of the best possible result yeah. that the mess could be because everyone's having a blast with yeah. it from what I hear. Yeah, it's it's definitely awesome. I, I haven't seen it in person, right. but I definitely want to get down there. But, yeah, like I know I'm sure you know a lot of people who listen to the podcast have been out to Penn State's hockey rink and stuff yeah, like that. And, the and, and their student section is right on top of the goalie. And I remember we played there my freshman year, and our goalie kept saying, like, man, like they – he didn't really get rattled by it, but like just some of the stuff that he could like legitimately hear fans saying and this and that, it's just like, it's pretty cool. Like they're right on top of the, the uh, opposing goalie. It's perfect. I mean, that's, that's what college hockey is all about. So that's what it's all about. I'll never forget the first college hockey game I attended. Uh, I was playing, I, th- I guess I would have been you 16 at the time. And we were going to a tournament in Michigan and me and my buddy, my dad, my buddy's dad, we have like a night off or something. We're like, well, University of Michigan's playing. Why don't we drive out to Ann Arbor, watch the game? That'll be a fun way to pass the time mm-hmm. with, with the kids or whatever. And they were, it was Michigan versus Omaha. 
and we had never experienced a college like student section before now we were sitting with the regular folk but just like the whole game yeah. chanting singing cheering after a goal is scored the whole it's all your fault yeah. it's all your fault you suck i'm like this what is, is awesome, going on yeah. yeah it was electrifying for just a random game in the middle of january against omaha non-conference opponent this is unreal so when you get a good college atmosphere going it really is one of the one of the best ways to take in a hockey game from from a live in person yeah, button seat perspective definitely. it's a blast yeah i think my first college hockey game i ever witnessed was i i had to have been 10 maybe okay um same thing we were out at a tournament in uh, detroit looking back on it it had to have been the gli that great lakes invitation yes. and it was michigan first michigan state at the Joe Lewis Arena. Really? Yep. Um, but I, the thing that stood out the most to me was the band. I, I love the band. Oh, they'll like, bring the, the college marching bands yeah, into the hockey yeah, arena. Yeah. It's so awesome. I think they had, like, at, behind one goalie, they had the Michigan band, and then the other goalie was the Michigan State band, and they'd be going back and forth and back and forth, and it was it was cool. It was definitely cool. Um, at the time, I was, like, probably not that into it, but looking back on it, I'm like, oh, that was that was a good game to be a part of and at in that um arena and, and stuff like that too is it's pretty cool rivalry game yeah neutral site but a but a big historic arena yeah. and you get the bands going out of the student sections going at it doesn't get better than that no it doesn't no, it doesn't and that's that's a true taste of what what college hockey offers unfortunately though your college hockey tenure ended i'm sure sooner than you were probably anticipating because we talked about that great season you had as a freshman sophomore year you're taking off like a rocket in terms of individual production sun devils are in the tournament conversation again as an independent team and then as we all found out covid19 hit like a truck there in, in march of 2020 shut down the college hockey season shut down the american hockey league season nhl teams got to have their little bubble playoff but for everyone else they were just kind of sitting around like well, well what's next yeah. okay we're not playing but when are we starting again and during this whole time is when you get hooked up with pittsburgh sign an nhl contract which as a kid who grew up playing hockey i'm sure was a dream come true no doubt about it but how was that whole time like? We've talked to other players about, you know, being a college free agent, going through that whole process. But doing it in the middle of a pandemic when you're, you know, help build a program. I don't want to say from scratch, but help kind of bring them up the ranks a little bit. What was this whole thing going on for Josh Maniscalco during this period of time, trying to decide, leave college, stay college? When are we playing again? Like, I'm sure all of this is ping-ponging around in your head. Yeah, it was definitely very, very unorthodox and a yeah. stressful time and everything happened so fast. And, you know, with COVID going on, you don't even know if pro is going to play a season. Yeah, right? Nobody knew what the heck yeah, was going on. Exactly. Nobody. Um, but for me, I – so after my sophomore year, I – decided I was going to go back for my junior year. Like, that was set in stone. Okay. I was going to go back. Um, and then I believe it was, like, the beginning of August. Or August 20th, classes started. And I think I ended up signing on, like, August 19th. Okay. Um, but the beginning of August, there was talks of, um, you know, no sports happening until – because the college hockey season starts October 15th or something in that mm -hmm. range. Um, but so at – beginning of august there was talks of no um pac-12 which is the conference that arizona state is in um in terms of athletics and yeah, how yeah, everything's yeah, like football, decided basketball, yeah. yeah um so i remember the pac-12 came out and said no sports are happening until after christmas so i was like okay well i have to play this year like i i don't want to not play so i guess i have to you know look into turning pro early because mm -hmm. we're not playing here. Um, so then, obviously, you know, the one thing led to another. Started weighing my options, and Pittsburgh had talked to me the year prior after my sophomore year. Uh -huh. um, so, obviously, reached out to them, and, you know, one thing led to another, and here we are three years down the road and playing for the the – the organization <laughs> <laughs> play playing for the penguins yeah, man exactly and, so. and further to that point too when you're talking about august and hey we don't know if college sports are coming back i don't think the american hockey league announced that they were going to host a season until early december yeah. my memory might be fuzzy on that if it was late november early december but the season didn't start until like 
mid-January in terms of training camps and things like that. So there was even question marks as to when is NHL starting? Yeah. When is the American Hockey League starting? ECHL, I think, had just kind of gone rogue yeah, and like, nope, we're, we're playing games. We yeah. can put fans in seats. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Um, but uh, just a totally wacky, wacky time to be alive. And in your case, it threw so many things off kilter, but then led to you signing that NHL contract. Like I said, dream come true for a kid who grew up playing hockey in Pennsylvania, nonetheless, too, signing yeah. for one of the two PA NHL teams. And going back to what you said earlier on on this episode, that this kind of feels like your first real year where you understand how the organization works, how the pipeline works, and you don't have to worry about, okay, are we going to play tomorrow or is the game going to get canceled? Or what's going on with the other team? What's yeah. going on with my teammates? Like, just so strange that it's taken this long to kind of get comfortable, but that's just the circumstances and how the cards have been dealt. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, I guess I you know, can't really change the past no. and how things go on. You know, I f figured, you know, just try to make the most of every situation. I've kind of taken over that motto and and – um, yeah, so just do our best and go from there. But, um, you know, back to the free agency thing, I think for me too, it was just more of like in college, it, as a free agent in general, it's kind of hard because you never know like what the next year will bring. You know, you could yeah. always get hurt the next year and then there's just no, you're not drafted. Even more there's, uncertainty, yeah. Yeah, so um, as a free agent, you know, you kind of just have to take the opportunities that, that arise. Yeah, and, for, for I mean, sure. You got to pounce on yeah. that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's a dream. You grow up your whole life with the goal to play in the NHL. So when an NHL contract comes across your table, you know, you don't really think twice. You don't, you don't think twice. You, you make it happen. Exactly. And you're, you're ECHL All-Star this year with the Wheeling Nailers <laughs> yep. playing uh, consistently here with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. But last game, you had to take a game at forward. You're never going to complain. You'll take a spot nope, in the lineup exactly. no matter how, how you're going to get it. But that was a late scratch for Jamie Devan. I guess he wasn't feeling well. When did you find out you were going in, and when did you find out it was going to be as a forward? <laughs> yeah, so I skated in the morning um, with uh, the other scratches and then completely thought I was getting scratched, went back, took a nap, and then uh, me and the other scratches were going to uh, go to Longhorn Steakhouse and grab some food before the game. Nice. Went there, it's probably game time's at 7, and it was probably about 5.30 when I got a text um, pretty much just saying, hey, like, you're probably not going to play, but come to the rink just in case. Be um, ready. Yeah. Um, so I was told to show up at, like, 6.30 just in case. That's when, when the, the team goes on for warm-ups. Um, so I was just like, well, I mean, if there's a chance I'm going to play, I don't want to just be, you know, cold turkey. Yeah. So I went, got to the rink around like six. I just Ubered straight from Longhorn. Um, found out that I w not only might be playing now, but it would be at forward. And then 15 minutes later, probably 6.15, found out I was playing at forward, took warm-ups, played. I think I had like seven shifts, but it was it was definitely different. Um, had you ever done forward before? Never have I played a game at forward. Uh, I mean, obviously there's times late in the game where I'll get – thrown out at forward to try to score that's or something. a little this, bit of a different situation thing. yeah to actually go on the ice and think try to think like a forward and you know play that role it was definitely an experience it was it was a challenge that's for sure <laughs> how um, do you think you thought like a forward i don't know i uh, just i will say the one thing that i i said this to a couple of the guys too the one thing that i struggled with the most was like when to line change Oh, like, like when to D, hop off. Yeah, yeah it's totally different. As a defenseman, you know, break out pass and then the forge chip it in and you're changing. But as a forward, I just I still couldn't tell you when the right time to change was. <laughs> it's just like I couldn't figure it out. But everything else, I, I feel like I picked up pretty good. My uh, line mate, Sean Jossling, definitely helped. I had a lot of questions for him. But I'm, I feel like I did a pretty good job. You know, JD seemed seemed happy. I was so, gonna say no one yelled at you. Yeah, didn't get Port sat. Didn't tell, yeah, yeah, didn't get sad. Portsy wasn't like that. Was way too long yeah. of a shift, man. It's <laughs> no, Galco. Yeah. But uh, it was good. It was fun. Yeah, it was. It's kind of one of those things where you say, okay, a defenseman's gonna play forward. How's this gonna go? And then right on your first shift, a light bulb kind of went off in my head. I was like, hey, Maniscalco can move 
and he's a pretty strong guy too. He might start bullying some guys on the forecheck, and like right away you got below the goal line and like blew somebody up. And I'm like, yeah, this, this I don't think we're going to be in too much trouble tonight. Like this, this could work out pretty well. I'm glad you figured out line changes, or at least uh, masked it enough to yeah. not get screamed at by the coaching staff. Um, but that was certainly an, an interesting wrinkle here. Always got to be ready for yeah, something new exactly. here in pro hockey, yeah. and you always have to be ready for anything on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins exactly. podcast, which brings me to a regular segment that we have here on the show, Josh. We always have our previous episode's guest leave a blind question for okay. the next episode's guest. They don't know who they're asking it to, but I tell them it can be about anything that they want. We have gone in hundreds of millions of different directions with these uh, these blind questions over the years. And I've got one from our previous guest for you. So, Josh, are you ready for me to pop the question? I'm ready. We've done a couple would-you-rathers this year, and today's episode is no exception. So, Josh, I ask you this. Would you rather have an unbelievable singing voice or be able to pick up any instrument anywhere and play it like a master right away? Would you rather have an incredible show-stopping singing voice or any instrument you just intuitively know how to be a maestro? I think... And I will say, you will have to explain your answer. I think I'm going to give you both answers and explain them. So I'm going to say if I'm making a career out of it, I would say singer because I just feel like, you know, you have the spotlight and, you know... Just be a fantastic Ooh. country singer or something like okay. that. But if it was just strictly, you know, walk into a party, bar, anything like that. Yeah. On the street in New York City, throw, you know, throw your, your guitar your case, case out down. Your, yeah. I think I would do instrument. Um, I just feel like that would be super cool. It's a little bit more super versatile wicked. too. Yeah. Like um, if you could just pick up the guitar and that would be fun. Or the piano, that would be that would be super. Cool. I am always mesmerized by people who just can sit at a piano and then just bust something out perfectly. Yeah. Oh, this it, this song wasn't even originally arranged on piano, but you can recognize yeah, it. Like that. And yeah. they don't even flinch. It's just like, oh, I can't believe. Then you add you're good at that. singing and the instrument together, and it's just. But I don't think that's allowed. Yeah, that's in the instance of this in no. this question. You have I to think... take one or the other. You might be able to be great at these instruments, but your voice is like a cat that got dropped into a bathtub. If I had to decide right now in my everyday life, I would choose instrument. Instruments more yes. versatile. Yeah, and I, you know, sing in the car ride. I'm having a good time. You I don't, don't need to be good. You don't. Yeah, you don't need I don't to be good to be. To be good. You don't even need to be good to, one, entertain yourself, two, entertain others. Exactly. There have been thousands of frontmen in the, the annals of music history that, hey, they may have been a bit, little bit pitchy dog, but they knew how to entertain, yeah. and they made very illustrious careers out of that. You said, though, if you were to have gone singer, you wanted spotlight on you, front yeah. stage, country singer. You're a country yeah. guy? I think, Yep, definitely a country guy. Who's your, who's your go-to in the country genre? Um, I definitely think... Luke Combs and Morgan Wallen have taken over my my Morgan Wallen music seems heart. to be taking over everybody's playlists I yeah. seem to see. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. But uh I did see Dirks Bentley live uh, about a year ago and he has been played a lot since then on my uh Spotify account. Um he's he's good, really good. I feel like country music is just so good live. Like you could go to any country concert live and it's just like Wow, that was way better than I expected. You know what it's kind of like? Country music concerts are like college hockey. The atmosphere when you're there live, you got to experience it. Definitely. Even if you're not necessarily a fan of every single song or you don't know the artist Mm -hmm. that well, it is just a different environment at a country concert. I agree. I agree. You get a nice outside venue and afternoon, summer afternoon in July, it's... Definitely one of a kind. College hockey is country music. Yes. Or is country music college hockey? I don't know. That's a that's a brain teaser. Mm. We'll let the listeners contemplate that. Decide. What is the, the, mm-hmm. the preferred nomenclature there? But that also allows us to transition into another regular segment that we have here on the show. Josh, we're just banging out the hits right now. Perfect. We're knocking them out. This is a game that we call Semantics. Yeah. 
Okay, Josh, what we do on semantics is I take a term or a phrase that I think carries too amorphous of a definition. We could go on Merriam-Webster and we could read what the definition is, but it's not nailed down mm-hmm. enough for me. It's, it's not as detailed as I think it should be. And previously on the show, we've discussed sports topics like what does it mean to be elite we get hard rules. Okay. What is a playoff run? How far do you actually have to go? How many games do you need to win? Is just qualifying enough? We now have hard benchmarks that need to be met for what a playoff run is. You understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I got the gist. And now that you're here with us on semantics, you get to make the rules. So whatever you say goes. You all get right. the final say. I like that. And myself, all the listeners, we have to go by Manny's rules. Perfect. Well, we're not staying in the sports world this time. It's fine with me. This was actually a suggestion from someone else at, uh, in the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins front office. And at first I was kind of like, ah, I don't know about that. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, we're going to give this a shot. And this also fits in perfectly because the lights keep going out on us as we <laughs> record this episode. But we've just decided to power through as they kind of turn on and off. Josh, in your eyes, in your opinion, what is a ghost? Oof. Nick, I'm not going to lie. I don't like to mess with ghosts. You don't like to mess with them. You're not that guy. No. Um. What is a ghost? What a is a ghost? ghost? Oh, I don't want to say imaginary because I don't want to make them angry. Well, that, you said you don't mess with them, but are, do you believe in ghosts? I think I'm scared to not believe in ghosts. You're intimidated yes, by, by what the, the ghosts fact. might do if you yes. don't believe in them. <laughs> um... It, what is a ghost? A ghost is a. Oh, this is hard. Here, here's here's what I'll say. We can eliminate the are they real? Are they not real? Just the just the the mere idea and concept of these specters. What is a ghost? So a ghost is a scary object or okay. thing that frightens you. I don't know. That is so tough. See, and here's why I bring this up, because there's kind of a follow-up question. Is is there a difference between a ghost and a spirit? Are they one and the same, or are there different rules for spirits versus ghosts? I feel like when you say spirit, it gives it kind of a, like, not like not a scary mm-hmm. aura around it, but a ghost is like... Like I feel like when you think of ghosts, it's like your fear is involved. But a spirit is like I don't know. I I don't know. I keep thinking of like you know how in like Disney movies they got like the devil on one shoulder and, and the, the angel on and the, the other. Angel on the other. That's kind of like the ghost is the devil, the angel is the spirit. So so in your eyes, I'm I'm trying to track with you here. A a ghost. The term ghost inherently carries fright, fear, yes, definitely. terror. Um, so. A spirit is different than a ghost because you don't necessarily need to be afraid of a spirit. They might have uh, good intentions when reaching out to you or interacting with you from beyond the the never. Yeah. But in the case of a ghost, if there is a chill that goes down your spine, if there is some fear involved, now we're talking ghost. Yeah. I like that. Do do ghosts know what they're doing? You also said object, so you were kind of leaving it open like you could have a haunted piano or something like that, a ghostly piano. Well, yeah, like a haunted, I don't know, like a haunted old building. A haunted but house, I guess, yeah. I guess the the ghosts just are in the haunted building. They're not, the building's not the ghost. The ghosts are in the building. Okay, so you say the ghost is not the building. Correct. The building contains ghosts. Correct. Okay. We have to get these things ironed out because this is semantics. This but is so, tough. but but are, are ghosts? Are they? Is there any sort of knowledge as to as to what they're doing? Are they flying blind? I want to just say, like us. What? Well, see, I, that's the thing. I don't. I don't know if I truly believe in ghosts. Mm-hmm, of course. Like I don't believe in ghosts, so I don't. I would say no. They don't have knowledge. Mm. What do you think? Or you're not allowed to answer the question? I'm not allowed to answer the question, but I'm going to do it anyway because nice. I'm bad. Nice. Um, I think that you have both. I think that there are there are intelligent ghosts that are aware of what they're doing, and I think that there are um, ghosts that are basically stuck in a loop. 
that don't know what they're doing, where they're going. They're just doing it almost out of habit. They're, you know, let's play this game, okay? The the old Victorian woman fell down the stairs on her wedding day and then died in this oh. house. But then she's in a loop where she's constantly primping and prepping for her wedding. Okay. And that's why she's always seen here or something See, like that. This is but but I... she's in a loop. She doesn't she's not actually thinking I'm getting married yeah. today. She's yeah. just stuck in a loop. Where there are other ghosts more more haunting well, I was gonna say spirits, but like where where yeah. they no, know I, what they're I, doing. I... Well, I shouldn't even say haunting. They might just be trying to reach out and be like, Hey, acknowledge me. But that I'm, brings I'm dead, fear but I'm here in a living human. I could see. This is why we talk about these things. This is why I can we talk get behind it out. that. I can you, get behind that. That's what I think. These are your rules. You set the rules. No, I, I do like how you've you have determined ghost elicits fear. Definitely. Even if it is just by the human misunderstanding of what's going on, a ghost elicits fear, and a but a spirit you need not be fearful of. Yes. If there is there is some sort of peace to it. Yeah. You have encountered a spirit, not a ghost. Is I got a question for you. Hit me. Is a ghost a spirit though um per your rules no no okay i'm going to change my rule and say that there are spirits okay We're- and then there are good spirits and bad spirits bad spirits are ghosts mm-hmm. good spirits uh, we don't have a name angels sure for sure. the purposes of this conversation yeah right. Um, but okay, so this is like a square and a rectangle. A ghost is a spirit, but a spirit is not always a ghost. A ghost is a spirit. Because mm. a ghost is a bad spirit, but a spirit could also be good. And because it doesn't elicit that same uh, reaction of, of terror or unrest, it's just a good spirit. So a ghost is a spirit, a bad spirit, but a spirit is not inherently a ghost. Correct. Per your rules. Correct. So we'll go with that. Yep. Semantics. Semantics. Boom. Nailed it. Crushed it. Let's lay that conversation to rest. Yes. We now know here on the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast what a ghost is. We may not understand them. We may not be able to communicate with them, but we know what a ghost is, and we know the difference between a ghost and a spirit. Yes, we do. And it is all thanks to you, Josh Maniscalco. Manny, I got to thank you for one putting up with uh, my strange questions here, the strange questions from uh, from your teammates. But before I let you off the hook, we got one last thing we have to do here on the Penguins podcast. Fans already know what's coming, but Josh, it's now time for Penn's Picks. Penn's Picks. Josh, what I always do is I have my guest leave a recommendation for the fans. It can be Anything in the world, once again, the category is potpourri, but something that you think deserves a shout-out, something that makes you feel good, something that you feel like maybe doesn't even get the recognition that it deserves. You can go any which direction you want, north, south, east, west, anywhere in between, but give the fans a little pen's pick. And you may think about this as long as you like. Wow. Wow. Anything. Anything. Can I have some... Examples from the past? Um, food is always a go-to. We talk about food all the time. Uh, movies, entertainment, TV shows. Recently, we had just drink water because water is good for you and we're not drinking it enough. Like You can go any direction you want with this. All right. I think I got it. Yes. I'm a big Chick-fil-A fan. I feel like a lot of people are. Oh Yeah, a lot of people are. I've, I've seen that uh, drive through line in, in Wilkes-Barre. I feel like this is a... Pr- I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm going to let the people decide if, if it is popular or not. But Chick-fil-A sauce on the spicy chicken sandwich and it as a dip with the fries. I feel like a lot of people go, I don't know. What do you, Have you ever done that? I, I don't I don't uh, tamper with the sauce. Okay. I or I well, should say I don't dabble. So, But you're well, saying there, you put it, it on the sandwich and as a dip. Well, so I dip my fries in right, the yeah. sauce and then... Also put the well you can, you can just dip your sandwich in the sauce but I just put it right on yeah, because yeah, yeah. I mean but you're saying it goes on sandwich and yeah, fries just try it out it's good I mean I feel like some people are gonna be like yeah of course obviously but then some people haven't dabbled it's it's like some people who swear by uh, dunking their French fries in the frosty at Wendy's some people are like how could you do that I've never even heard of that before and, and then, then other people are, are like I've been doing this since I was four yep. years old so there it is that's what I'm gonna go with. 
Hopefully I change someone's day for the better. All it takes is one person. That's all all, all I need is one person. <laughs> change one to life change today with that one. Chick-fil-A sauce. Just one. Now, with this in mind, since you're putting it on the sandwich and dipping uh-huh. the fries, those waffle fries, uh-huh. should they ask for extra sauce? Or is the, the ones that they give you, is that going to be sufficient? Give a pro I just tip here. ask for two, one for each. And then usually, you know, it's tough to get it all out of the packet, so... You'll have a little but extra. Two but two will do. Two, two. I go with two. That's two, all I need. Two will do. One for the Sammy, one for the fries. Yep, there it is. All right, we'll go with that. Uh, my pen's pick here, uh, pulling a little bit of an audible goddle of those light switches. I love when you can just flip the switch instead yes. of the motion sensor lights, which tend to be quite fickle, where either the slightest adjustment in our chair will turn the lights back on or us waving our arms does nothing to get us out of the dark. Yes. A timer... On the lights, Ooh. not ideal. No. Definitely no. just a switch. Just a switch. I want my lights on. I want my lights off. Some things on, off. are not meant for inventing or the future. You we, know, We don't need to reinvent no. the wheel. No. We don't need to reinvent the light switch. Lights on, lights off. Clap on, yeah. clap off. That was probably the peak of yeah. light switch innovation right there. If you weren't a clapper person then the switch is fine for you. If you were a clapper person, there was nowhere to go after that. That's that's the peak. Yeah. Clap on, clap off. That is pretty unique. The cla- I like that. The clapper? Uh, you don't need the timer. The no. timer. Not it. The clapper was the peak of light switch innovation, and we will now clap off this episode of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. Uh, all apologies to Ash Ketchum. Couldn't get to him on this episode of the Penguins podcast. Maybe we'll get him on some other time. But Josh Maniscalco, you have been a wonderful guest really really appreciate you being so gracious with uh with your time and sharing your story with us here and uh giving us some hard and fast rules with ghosts and spirits buddy i love it yeah well it's fun thanks for having me i appreciate it all right folks we will be back again in just two weeks with a new episode of the penguins podcast josh i'll be sure to get a question from you in the meantime but as we sign off why don't you say goodbye to the good people listening out there goodbye fans thanks for listening and i too will bid you adieu and see you again in two weeks Bye. The Woods Party Scramble Penguins podcast is recorded live in front of no studio audience.